0: So today what I want to do is to talk to you about the power of God. Now, you may be wondering, I'm sure all of us here believe that God is all-powerful, so you may be wondering, why have I chosen to talk to you about the power of God? You probably think, well, I know about the power of God already. Well, the reason I want to do that is because a couple of years ago, I read a story of a pastor who once asked his church to pray. And he asked them to pray that God would shut down an adult nightclub in the area. So the whole church, of course, gathered in the evening to start praying for God to do this. Every night they would cry out to God to get rid of this adult nightclub. And as it so happened, a few weeks later, lightning strikes the nightclub. God answers the prayer, it is burnt to the ground. The owner of the nightclub hears about the church's prayer crusade, and he's not very happy about this. So what he does is he decides to take the church to court. He argues, his lawyer argues during the trial before the judge, that God had struck down the the nightclub after this church started praying. That was his argument, and he wanted the church to compensate him for this. And uh, while well, the pastor of the church, and this story apparently is from the U.S., the ch- pastor of the church, in the witness stand, disagreed strongly. He says, yes, yes, we prayed, but what, no one in the church really expected anything to happen. <laughs> right? So how can we be <laughs> blamed for this? You are just fishing for blame. So the judge is listening to these arguments. He leans back, Right? As judges do. And he's full of utter disbelief. Then he says, look, I can't believe what I'm hearing here. Right in front of me is a nightclub owner who believes in the power of God and prayer. And here I have a pastor and his church who clearly don't. Uh, He was quite puzzled by that. Now, I don't know, as I said, if the story is just an American urban legend. But it did remind me, and I hope it reminds you, that it is easy for us to say we believe in the power of God and yet live exactly the opposite. That's why we need to be reminded about the power of God. Why are we like that? Why is it that we can believe in the power of God and then just live exactly the opposite? Well, one possibility is that deep down our hearts, remember the heart of man is utterly deceitful. Deep down our hearts, we could say the right things that we believe. In. In, in, with our mouth, we can say we believe in the power of God. But deep down our hearts, we probably don't. We probably have not reached that position of truly surrendering uh, to Jesus. Surrendering to the power of God. And actually, when circumstances happen like that, then it surfaces that there is what we confess with our mouth and what we actually truly believe. And what we believe is we don't really believe in God at all. That might be the reason why we are like that. So you attend church, you read the Bible, but maybe you're not yet truly born again. You have not cried to Jesus to forgive you of your sin, and you have not received a new heart. So that dislocation still exists. That's one possibility. The other possibility is that you truly believe in Jesus. But the dark clouds of life are blocking your eyes from seeing the bright beams of God's power. You believe in him, but things happen in your life. Circumstances. They're just clouds. That. A bit like when the disciples uh, saw Jesus walking on the waves. If they had, it was during the day, they would have seen him very well. And recognize who he was. But because Jesus was walking at nighttime and there were stones around them, they just blocked and blurred the vision of Jesus. And all of a sudden they were full of disbelief. They, there was a Jesus they knew, but the circumstances of life made them question whether Jesus was all powerful. So you may be in either of these camps of why you may, not, you may sometimes find yourself in that position. Maybe you're just no believer, maybe you are and in difficult circumstances. So this morning, I want all of us to truly believe in the power of God and to surrender to His power to work in us, in and through us, especially as we enter a new year. This year, we are entering a new decade. This, This week, we are entering a new decade. 2020 begins a new decade. I want you to have a decade of trusting, so to speak, in God's power. And to help us do that as individuals of the church, please turn with me to Ephesians 3, uh, verse 20 to verse 21. Now, Ephesians is a letter written by one of the apostles, the Apostle Paul, and it was written to a group of people who had become new followers of Jesus, living in the ancient city of Ephesus. And now, in chapter 3, where we're looking at this passage, Paul is actually in the middle of a prayer. Paul is praying to God for them. And he's asking God to strengthen their new faith. And to help them know God's love and power for them. That's what he's doing in chapter 3. And uh, I want us just to learn two things that Paul teaches us here about the power of God in his final words of that prayer. Look at verse 20 to verse 21. Let me just read it again. It says this, Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly, that means in other passages, immeasurably more than all that we ask or think according to the power at work within us. To him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. There are two truths, these this, this final words of Jesus, Paul, um, we have the words of Jesus, of course, he's the author of all scripture, but these words of the apostle Paul here, There are two things that you just want us to learn and remember in 2020. The first thing is that God is powerful towards us. God is powerful towards us. Now, the the city of Ephesus at this time in history is home to the great temple of the pagan goddess Diana or Artemis. As she, some, she was sometimes called. The people of Ephesus believe she lives in this great temple of Diana, right? The temple of Diana is, at this time, one of the seven wonders of the ancient world. It has taken over 200 years to complete it. Uh, it is 450 feet long, 250 wide. Its majestic pillars soar 60 feet into the air. It's an amazing thing. And in the center of this temple stands the statue of the goddess Diana, robed in the veil of Persian silk. They worship her as their god. Now, at the time that Paul is writing, the worship of Diana is at fever pitch. In fact, some of the new followers of Jesus would have, reading this letter previously, would have worshipped Diana. We know that from just reading Acts. So as Paul ends his prayer to the true God of the Bible, he makes it clear that the true God of the Bible is not like this lifeless statue. The God is there. No, the God of the Bible is a God who acts. Look at verse 20 again Then, Now to him, that is God the Father, who is able to do far more abundantly, immeasurably more, than all that we ask for in prayer, or even think, According to the power at work within us, just pause there, because Paul is introducing us here to the God of the Bible, and he's saying, "This God of the Bible is real. He's a, he's a real God. He does real things. It's not a thing like Mother nature. It's not the great consciousness of the New Age movement. It's not a statue like the goddess. there are of the hundreds, millions and millions of Hindu gods. He is not an impersonal force like we see in Star Wars. No, the God of the Bible is a God who is a person. He's a person. And he's a God, therefore, who acts. Now, to him who is able to do what? To do. To do. He acts. So this is the God who acts. is not, not the old man upstairs who just does nothing. No, the true God of the Bible is the person who's holding your life at this moment together. There's a reason why you're not falling apart while all the forces of nature are not pulling you up in different places. Because God is holding this life now. And the reason why this world is not being ripped apart by many forces is because God is holding it together. He's sustaining it. God is the one who's making you breathe. And in 2019, God withdrew the breath of life from certain people. We lost a sister in this church. But he kept yours. You are alive today because God has kept you here. And he's done that by his never-ending power. You see, unlike us, God does not need to take a break to regain his strength. He's able to do far more abundantly than anything we imagine. You know, God does not need to catch up on some sleep this afternoon before he even just gets new energy to come back to fellowship this, this evening. He does not grow faint or weary. He never moans at doing much too much work. You know, God isn't waking up every day. He doesn't even go to sleep so he's not waking up saying oh it's too much today I can't do this I just look after all of these people sustaining the universe oh it's just too much I'm tired I need to sleep he never does that he never nods off in the middle of a sentence when he's reading a book the power of God is always 100% and the term the theologians use to describe the power of God is omnipotence what that means is that God has power without limit listen to me to do whatever it pleases. Just like this, it could make you disappear. As you sit here this morning, how do you feel about the God of the Bible being like that? <coughs> how do you feel about this God being like that? Do you feel excited about Him? Or does it worry you to know that God is so powerful? I think it's just one of those two feelings. I don't think you can feel indifferent about Him. Because that means you haven't understood what we're talking about. You can't be indifferent. You can't just say God is there. I'm not bothered. No, no. That means you have not understood. It either arouses once you know who God is. either arouses fear or He arouses much excitement. You know, for many people, it is fear. I remember someone writing online some years ago, he said, God frightens me. The thought of there being some all-powerful person who I will meet when I die, who may judge me, based on my sins, who looks over and commands the universe is very scary. Who wouldn't be frightened of this? And, you know, the man is right. He is saying it frightens him to think he may be living in a way that makes this all-powerful God of the Bible somehow not very pleased with him. You know, if there is a bully somewhere, usually, and we can't avoid them at work, we try to do what we can just to get along with them, don't we? Now, here is somebody who is all-powerful and actually doesn't answer to you. Just the thought of knowing he's there and knowing that he commands you to live in a way that only pleases him. And you look at your life and realize, hmm, I sin against him every day. I can understand where this man is coming from. He arouses fear, terror. In fact, the Bible itself says it is a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. You know, there is an amazing scene in the film Superman vs. Batman, the dawn of justice. I don't know if you've seen it, but the scene in the movie is like this. Superman walks into a parliamentary hearing in the United States. He is there because why? Because the world has turned against him. People consider Superman a threat to humanity because he does not answer to anyone. Right? The people want Superman to protect them from general Zod. Lex Luthor, and all the other evils of Metropolis. But they only want him to do that if they can also control him. And in the film, this is the problem, they can't control his power. So this person, Superman, that they once loved and adored, right, has now become a threat to them, and they are frightened of Superman. So they call him in, and what they tell him is sorry, get out of our lives, we don't want you, please leave us alone. And of course, that's what actually happens in the movie. Superman is rejected by the world. Now think about this for a moment. That is Superman. God has more power than all the superheroes in cinema, than all the superheroes in comic books put together. And he does not answer to you. He does not answer to me. He does not answer to the government. He doesn't answer to anyone is above all that he has created. There's nothing you can do to compel God to do what you want. And as I said, he has commanded you to live a perfect life. Listen, God has said, be perfect as I am perfect. And he has said, if you are not perfect, you will perish forever. As I said, I don't know about you, but that to me is a frightening thought. And the reason it frightens all of us is because it threatens our independence, isn't it? So it is no surprise that when many people who have really thought about what the Bible says, you know, some non Christians really understand the Bible, by the way. They understand actually what the Bible is talking about. It's talking about this God who controls all things. And they look at this God in the Bible and they're like, no! No way! I can't believe in Him! That means I lose my independence. And so what many people do is that they just prefer either to blank God out, they know He's there, but they live in a way that they just ignore Him as if it he answers to them. Other people change God, you see. They know the God of the Bible, but they change him to fit into their idea. They, you, they turn God into a thing they can manage. I just relate to God on a Sunday. Uh, I don't care about him this other week. Or I'm just going to surrender this part of my life, but not that part of my life. Or I, I have this idea of a God, the God I made like the, like, the, like the Ephesians did and one they can put in a temple and they can move from place to place. You see, people create their own idols, their own ideas of God, and that violates the first two commandments, isn't it? You shall have no other God beside me. Only God himself, as he defines himself in the scripture, is the God we are to worship as he has revealed himself. You can make a God of your own choosing but the God of the Bible is real And the evidence of his power is on everything he has made. And you are exhibit head. Because when we are asking, how is God like? He says he has has made us in his image. And that tells us we are talking about a God who is a person. Because we are persons. A God who is able to act, who is able to love. Because he has made us in his image. We are creatures. He is God. But if you are looking for evidence, start with every. His evidence of design is all over you. Right? You are made in His image. He is your creator and there is no other. And God doesn't want you to live frightened of Him. That's not why He's created you. No. He wants you to be joyful and thankful of His power. He wants you, when you think of God's power, to be really excited about it. Like, wow, that's an amazing thing. And He wants you to be like Paul, to just praise Him for that. Look how Paul, when Paul thinks about God's power, look at verse 20 to verse 21. Look how Paul praises God. He says now to him who is able to do far more abundantly all that we ask or think according to the power at work within us. To him be glory is praising God now in the church and in Christ Jesus through all generations forever and ever. Amen. The boy is saying the God of the Bible is not just powerful. If all God was is just power, we'll be in terror. Again. But He's not just powerful. He is also our loving father, who uses his infinite power for the good of those who trust in Jesus. If you are not in Jesus, God remains a terror to you. But if you are trusting in Jesus as your Lord and Savior, he now uses his power for your good. You see, the Bible teaches us that all human beings have rebelled against our very powerful God. Now, there are many ways in which we may describe what has happened to us. But one way in which we may describe it is that in Eden, we cut ourselves off from the power source. From God's power. We decided we wanted to depend on ourselves. To rely on our own strength. Our brain power. Our inner strength. And to some degree, the human race has gone on okay in some degree, right? In line with ourselves, we have built great civilizations. And I think when you read Genesis, each one goes off and builds their own city and so forth. Some become workers of metals. And that has gone on for millennia. We have seemed to be advancing. But deep down, all of us know that all of this is futility. Deep down, all of us know that our power has a limit. Look how powerless we are against the forces of nature. We are worrying about climate change now. We are powerless about these issues of the, of the weather. None of us control the weather. We are trying to figure the whole thing out. Look how powerless you are against people in your life. You cannot even control your man. You can't control your dad. Husbands can't control their wives. Wives can't control their husbands. Look how powerless you are against Politician, you, when you are voting, you are just hoping it will be the right result. You can't even control Boris Johnson now. Try give Boris Johnson a call. Well, you might find this number if it has been one of those which have been leaked online. But the chances of him answering to you, no chance. Look how powerless you are against yourself. Many people have so many addictions they cannot get on top of. I know people this year who started their life looking to God and pray. You know, very excited about but Look where they are now. They are nowhere to be seen. They are powerless against sin in their lives. And of course, all of us here are powerless against death. Every single person here will die. There are people sitting in this room, perhaps, who might not make 2020. There are people in this church, there is a person in this church, as I said, who started this year with us and she never made At the end of this year. We are powerless because, you see, by cutting ourselves off from the power of God, we become powerless. We now live powerless and chaotic lives. When something is connected to power and you cut it off, what happens? It becomes powerless, right? You know, in August, I was attending a meeting at Dunstable, uh, only the Inexpress. Express. I don't know if you know where that is, somewhere in Dunstable, right? Yeah, Luton, somewhere. And as I was in this meeting, right, board meeting, all of a sudden, power went off. Black on a Friday, power went off. And I later found out that in that part of Dunstable and beyond, in fact, the country, much of that part of the country, a million households had lost power that day, because two power stations... Disconnected. Thankfully, the hotel where I was uh, had a power generator, right? But elsewhere, we, read, we heard of stories on the BBC of rail passengers being plunged into darkness. If you have been on a train and power goes out, you can get and you're in a tunnel, they were plunged in darkness. Some stayed for many hours without food or water, access to toilets, and things like that. Others were getting off on railroad. In fact, people were getting angry and annoyed at each other when they were there because they were shut down in darkness for a long time. In some parts of the country, that, those parts, uh, the traffic lights stopped working and there was gridlock on the roads. Chaos. People couldn't cook at home the meals. Others couldn't get home to get their medication because uh, there's a story of a five-year-old woman who, was, who needed a, a medicine for diabetes and she was locked for like five to ten hours our health worsened and much pain. As I thought about that, the effect of just momentarily being cut off from power, in some way that's how you have to think about what it means for us as human beings that we have been cut off from our power source, God. Yes, it looks normal living in darkness and we seem to be getting on all right with our technology and everything, but life is not as it should be. We have been cut off from God, our spiritual power source. And that has brought chaos, not just in your individual life, but in all of creation. And your life will never be as God intended it. You will never find its true meaning and purpose until you are connected back to God, your power source. Now, when something is disconnected from power, it can't force itself because it's powerless to be connected back. You need intervention. And that's what God has done. God has taken the initiative. He himself who is the power source, he himself who powers everything, has decided to connect you back to himself, to become your power source again. And he's done that through Jesus. The good news of Jesus, you see, is that this all-powerful God put on a very powerless body, the human body. He became one of us. That's what Christmas we've been thinking about. about. It's about that. Omnipotence now dwells in human finitude. God has has put on human flesh so that he could connect you back to the power source. Jesus' body, which is all-powerful and all-weak because it's all-God and all-man, now becomes the temple through which we access God's power. His body is the very temple of God now through which we commune with God. In Christ, you are grafted into, you are grafted, you, you are sorry, plugged into God, the power source. You now share union. That's why Peter is able to say, through Jesus, we are able to share in the divine power. You see, anyone who surrenders to God, and as Jesus as their Lord and Savior, becomes a child of this powerful God of the Bible, and now shares in the life of God. Look at verse 20 again. It says, Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly, there's a word that you need to notice, than all that we ask for things according to the power are to work. Notice that word, work within us. The original word for work there literally is eneger. It means energy. It's where the word energy comes from. I, I, what Paul is saying is that the, this powerful God who raised Jesus, we read in, earlier on in Ephesians, Through his powerful work he raised Jesus from the dead. Now the same power that raised Jesus from the dead is now at work in those who surrender to Jesus and have him as their Lord and Savior. So this is what God is offering us. If you are are trusting in Jesus this morning... You don't need to look to yourself in 2020 to your own power. No. God the Spirit now lives in you. He's powering you from within. He's sustaining you. You have all the power you need because you've got access to this God now who is all-powerful. This week, as I said, we start a new decade, don't we? And I hope you're thankful for God keeping you in 2019. And I hope you're looking forward to the many exciting opportunities God has for you. But I also know that at the same time you are a human being. If you are like me, you must be feeling a bit anxious as the year approaches. Because you don't know, as I said, what it will bring. Are you going to die in 2020? Is your health going to get worse? Will your marriage suffer a setback you just have not seen? How are you going to cope with pressures at work? Is your child going to profess faith in Jesus or will it drift even more? Will something happen in your life that will cause you to backslide and just lose completely your confidence in God? It's happened to some in this church in the past year. Will your finances improve? There are many questions. As I think about it, my, my mother is uh, getting on in life, and every year I get more and more nervous. Actually, because she's aging on; she's in her eighties now. I worry about every every year. That's my top worry before I even enter the How will she be like this year? We have anxieties. And the truth of the matter is that you do not know the answers. I thought about the year 2019, it has not gone the way I thought it would. There's been surprises this year. And I have no idea what the surprises are in 2020. Will I be here? I don't know. You don't know the future. I think of the the close sheds I've had this year with death. I mean, there's been time when I've been driving, the other time I was driving this year and a car just came like that. It was this close. My wife was about to cross this road and literally I and Abby were nearly hit by a car. It just stopped in time on this road here. This was 2019. But for God, I would be entering 2019 without the wife and children and the child. You just don't know what lies ahead of you in 2020. There is only one person who dies. The true God of the Bible he knows and he has the power over your future you do not know the future you don't even know you but what you need to know is that you know this true God of the Bible and you need to know that he if you are in Jesus he has yourself in his hand whether in life or in death no matter what you're gonna face in 2020 he's going to be there if you're trusting in Jesus, you must enter 2020 not resting on your knowledge, not resting in your ingenuity, but resting on this amazing truth that the God who created all things, who is all powerful, is powerful towards you in Jesus. And listen, because our God never runs out of power, you never run out of his power in 2020. He'll be your strength in whatever situation you find. If you are trusting in Jesus, And if you have not yet surrendered to Jesus, well, today God wants you to share in the comfort of this power. He wants you to share in knowing that He longs to be your power source. God doesn't want you to enter 2020 the way you entered 2019. No. Depending on yourself, your small wisdom, your ingenuity, your brain power, your lack of knowledge of what lies ahead of you. That's not how God wants you to enter 2020. No, Jesus is saying to you this morning, surrender to me. Don't enter 2020 on your own. Let me hold you. Let me love you. Let me be your protector in the year ahead of you. Oh, you have lived on your own in 2019 for too long Yes, You barely just survived. You have no idea what dangers I kept you from. God is saying, it breaks my heart that you know I am here for you, and yet you hesitate to put your full trust in me. So do not look to yourself or anyone. Go to Jesus. Repent of your sin and accept his death on the cross for your sin. Surrender to him this very morning. Surrender to your powerful Lord and God. You know those people who were stuck in the train in, in, in those trains I talked about when that power cut happened, would they have just been content to remain in darkness when they found out the power had come on? Of course not. They were so excited they were relieved. God is offering you to be your to be your power source. Why would you remain powerless and in darkness? It doesn't make sense, does it? You need to come to him. Do not look to yourself in when go to Jesus. Turn to him. And you need to do that because if you, if you refuse to surrender to this God, not only are you missing out on His amazing power, but you are saying that you plan to take on the full mighty of God when you die. Because you see the Bible said says, says it's a fearful thing to fall in the hands of the living God. To reject the power of God is to turn His power against you in this life and forever. Well, let God be powerful for you now and not against you. Come to Him. Surrender to Him. That's the first thing. The quick final thing I just want to point out here. Not only do we learn here that God is powerful towards us, the final quick thing we learn here is that God is powerful through us. Through us. What is the purpose of God directing His power towards us in Christ? Well, it is so that He can display the beauty and splendor of God in our lives. I hope to pick that up in verse 20. Let's read that again. Now, to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all that we ask or think, according to the power at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. What is the glory of God? The glory of God is the beauty and splendor of all that is true about God, his character. His works. All of these things are beautiful. All of these things communicate the glory of God. And the amazing thing about the Bible is that the Bible teaches us that God, who is not glorious, has decided to display His glory through His people, the church, through finite creatures. He has decided to display His power through powerless creatures He has saved in Jesus. This is what verse 21 means. To Him be glory in the church. In other words, be God's glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. You know, when we look at each member of the royal family this year, uh, <laughs> they've had some stories, isn't it? They? they look like a mess. When you look at them individually, right? You look at Prince Philip there, my goodness, he says some strange things, right? Uh, Andrew, Charles, Ari, and others, individ- as individuals, they look like a mess. But when you put the queen among them, you see those wonderful portraits, and the queen is there in all her elegance and power, and those crown jewels are on, Uh, it just transforms the whole thing. All of a sudden, you're not looking at Charles, you're not looking at all these strange people. You're looking at her, she's the center. And that's the reason why the royal family still remains in this country. She brings the power and splendor that holds the family together. And the same is true for us in Jesus our power resides not in us, but in Christ our King. And if you are in the royal family of God, the church, you enjoy His power in and through Christ. You are connected to Jesus, the head of the church. To Him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus. It's not about us, it's about Him. And the amazing thing is that because Jesus has come, He has served us. Jesus has ordained to work His power through us. How does Jesus work through us? Well, Paul tells us here, doesn't he? Two things Paul, I think, doesn't directly tell us, but we learn from Paul here. Two things I just want you to take away with you in 2020. God can do whatever he pleases. But in the Bible, he has made it clear there are principally two ways in which his Holy Spirit channels the power of God in our lives. It's prayer and the Word. Prayer and... And the word. Paul wants the Ephesians to experience this glorious power of God. How is it going to happen? Tell us, Paul. How is it going to happen? Well, Paul is praying. He's praying for them to experience it. Look at this, fourteen to sixteen. For this reason, I bow, don't forget this is a prayer. For this reason, I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named, that according to the riches of His glory, He may grant you to be strengthened with power through His Spirit in your inner being. He prays for power. And in fact, verse 20 is also about power prayer, isn't it? Now to Him, who is able to do far more abundantly than what we ask. We may change that. That's what we pray for. For He's encouraging them to pray. I don't know what's going on in your life. I don't know what will happen in, 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 when you enter 2020. But do you want power in 2020? Do you want God's power to be more experienced in you in 2020 than you've ever experienced it in 2019 and the years before? Pray. Be a person of prayer. God can do whatever he likes, but he has said he does nothing without prayer. Elijah prayed and he reigned. And do you know that Elijah had to pray again for it? Well, he... He prayed and then there was a drought. (laughs) And then he had to pray again for it to be, to rain again. So if you want God to be powerful through you, in 2020, prioritize prayer as an individual. Every day. And prioritize praying corporately with the people of God in the fellowship. Because there's power in praying together. It must be your number one prayer to be here Sunday morning nine fifteen praying with others. The other thing, so prayer is one. Finally, the other thing here, just to encourage you to take in twenty twenty, is 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 um the word of God, the word of God, isn't it? Because Paul here could have just prayed for them without writing to them, but what he's done is, is 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 written this letter. And he's written his prayer out. Why? Because this is the word of God now that is giving them to be with them to allow the word of God to work through them powerfully. Right? Do you want 2020 to be a year of power for you? Where God does amazing things in your life to work powerfully through you? Well, know the words. Hebrews, 12 verse 12, Hebrews 4, verse 12 says, For the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two double-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and spirit, of joints of marrow, of discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. That's the word of God. Jeremiah 23, verse 29 says, Is not my word like fire, declares the Lord, like a hammer that breaks the rock in pieces. You know, I have so many people who tell me, I'm struggling with this. I'm struggling with that. And it's easy. You just ask them one question Are you praying? No, I'm not really praying. Are you reading your word? No. And of course, some people I don't really see them come to church as often as they should. I know why they're not in church. Because they're not praying, they're not reading the word. There's no mystery to the Christian life, really. It's hidden secret apart from Christ Himself. God has made it very plain. Prayer and the word and of course there are other means of grace which next year I'm sure I will turn to to explain but in this word as you look forward to 2020 I have no more encouragements to give you than simply this prioritize reading the word listening to it preached to you and studying it with others and be a person of prayer every morning get on your knees and every during the day be praying and meet with God's people to pray